Welcome to the Shulamite Podcast, an extension of Shulamite Ministries and Shulamite.com, with weekly interviews and teaching with author and speaker Martha Kilpatrick and hosted by John Enslow. This weekly podcast is a way to stay connected to the ministry. So come experience anointed messages, not giving just another method, but a living impartation. John is thinking today, I'd just like to reach out to our friends and near and far about our writing. How do you feel about that? Well, yeah, it, it's uh, we've got so much just sitting there ready to go, and um, I, I I would love to talk about it. Um, I mean, we've got, we even had somebody this week give me an idea for something, and I'm like going, oh yeah, that, that really works. She uh, wrote an email and basically said uh, that she had just listened to the uh, Power and Prayer ZD series, and I said, wow, you know, some, she said, please make that into a book. I said it would be perfectly paired with the experiencing the depths of prayer in the Lord's Prayer, and that was called. And um, I was thinking both of those. You know, you did both of those at DUMC, and and uh, you know, the, they're really kind of tag teamed. And then someone uh, a month ago said, "Oh, please put the Sovereign Love devotional into a book." So we got that, and then you've got the um, the bride is ready. You've got uh, the the better blood. Kingdom. You got all the kingdom messages. You've got um, you have the one that you and I are going to do together, overcoming anxiety. And you haven't mentioned sovereign touch. Yeah, I've got sovereign touch. Uh, I'm working on, and I've got the uh, great exchange. I mean. Essentially, those are completely written. Uh, it's literally just uh, doing the final editing, and then I have to uh, figure out how I'm going to get them into the print and Kindle format. Sovereign Touch is currently at Kindle, but the uh, we want to put that one in print first, and uh, i got to figure out how to get that done. We've been looking for some help. COVID has been a kind of a horrible situation for us, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I'm thinking back on our commission. We have a commission very clear, and it's a wonderful trust. And But living out, see, there's so many things that have been going on, and we've been living out our message. And that's the only way that what we write will have power. This is our statement from uh, 2009. Psalm seventy nine thirteen in the Amplified. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth, live, and publish your praise from generation to generation. That's our mandate, is to publish from generation to generation. So it's real exciting. And we, you, you friends of ours are so encouraging and supportive and it just it just takes so a lot of encouragement to keep going on this, doesn't it, John? There's a lot of uh, warfare, and there's a lot of uh, bumps in the road. And sheer work. And sheer, the real deal is sheer work. It's incredibly hard to concentrate to the degree that writing requires. Yeah, and, I didn't I didn't yeah. know that. It's uh, 
It's hard work. It's exhausting and wonderful. There's nothing more exciting than to have the Lord express himself and let you in on it. So, uh, And I, I just wanted to I have a dear friend who's called to the bride also, and I wanted to give her one of the chapters, which I don't do a whole lot while I'm writing it. But when I started researching through the scriptures about the bride in Revelation, it says the bride has made herself ready. And it means that she had work to do. Sure enough. <laughs> she didn't just fall off the wagon into the bridal gown. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> and so when I began to look at the Bible through the eyes, through the, the view of the bride, I saw the whole Bible is really about the bride because the culmination of humanity and the Bible is going to be the marriage of the Lamb. And from that point, it will be the reigning of the Son of God on earth. So it's incredibly rich, incredibly fascinating. And then I'm, I'm like a miner for gold because I'm going, looking at every story of the Bible to see something about the bride. And so I'm, I'm going to read to you one that I have cried over in really how we how gracious God is. And then I've laughed about it because it's God is very strange. And this one is strange. Because he takes this man who's a follower of his and he says, go marry a woman who's a harlot and have children. <laughs> so God used Gomer to picture the infidelity of Israel and to prove his extravagant power of redemption. Gomer, the harlot, a pure bride? Impossible. God always considered Israel his chosen wife. So I'm going to finish reading this, and then we'll read to you one uh, a writing of John's that I wept over. This writing goes on. Gomer, adulterous wife. Hosea 1-2 says, The Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of harlotry, and have children of harlotry. For the land commits flagrant harlotry, Gosh, <laughs> forsaking so the Lord. But see, the Lord wasn't even addressing human immorality. Mm -mm. That why wasn't he what he was talking about at all. The essence of sin we seldom see. The core of sin we have no idea. Sin to us is acts, actions, deeds, and wrongs. We can list them. We know what sin is. Sin is merely wrong wind of views of the heart. We know what sin is, we think. But sin must be defined by God. Not by what sin does to us and to each other, but by what sin does to him. We scarce consider God's heart when we reject him for worthless lovers. The Hosea story tells God's view. The lowest sin, the most vile evil, the essential nature of sin is adultery against God. So that Israel could understand, God defined the root and basis of sin as spiritual adultery against him. I thought, what a blow to the rigid moralist. What a shock to the blatant criminal. The core of sin is against God. N not moral adultery, not human betrayal, not sins against humanity. The heart of sin is this. Disloyalty to God by adultery against his covenant marriage to us. For a spirit of harlotry has led them astray, and they have played the harlot, departing from their God. 
Hosea 4.12. And God called Hosea to live out and demonstrate his own anguish as a husband betrayed. Hosea anguished in the human condition of it, and it represented what God anguishes. So Israel chased foods and peoples and idols, things they wanted more than God, seeking lovers better than God. Sin is not just the breaking of a law, nor the failure to keep it. Sin is the abandonment of God the husband. Wow. Golly, that's awesome. Preferring many filthy lovers rather than the perfect one. Israel could not see the real sin, the breaking of God's husband heart. Only in the context of harlotry, the shamelessness of many lovers, could Israel glimpse the hideousness of their idolatrous sin from God's painful estimate. Through Hosea, God put their faithlessness in a context they could understand their human marriages, their human drama, their human betrayal, and the great pain of that. James, the brother of Jesus, knew this analogy for New Testament believers. And this, this is, I don't think we understand this scripture yet. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. How, that, see how strong that issue is, that it's not just being in love with people at all. It's betrayal of God. It's rejection of him as husband and beloved. It is adultery with the world and its God to believe that your sustenance, your needs are met from your human loves. We are entertained by the world. We are fed by the world. We are, and that, that when we are that connected to the world, it becomes our beloved idol. And Hosea had to learn this, and so did Gomer. There's nothing in life that feeds and keeps us, but that it is actually from God. The story says that Gomer, the wife, the harlot wife, believed her wine and bread came from her lovers because she, her needs were met. That's where she put her love. But to leave God is to lose yourself and your way. Such is the undaunted heart of the lover God that he will make your rebellious road both painful and dark just to bring you back to himself. Verse 6 of 4, I will hedge up her way with thorns. And I, I've had a few of those thorns. I have a few scars of thorns. And I will build a wall against her so she cannot find her paths. God is a jealous husband, ferocious and powerful enough to drive away his rivals. This is back to the scripture. She will pursue her lovers, but she will not overtake them. And she will seek them, but will not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband, for it is better for me than now. See, we're looking for a God who is practical and present. A hero who has the power to keep and serve, solve, carry, guard, and love us. Israel had such a God, fully available, amazingly perfect, in miraculous ability. Israel had the perfect husband God. Gomer, 
She does not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil, and lavished on her silver and gold which they used for Baal. So the most treacherous adultery is to use God's generosity for the worship of his enemy. And the sins of self-worship are a hell of delusion. To feel full when you're dead in emptiness, that is a godless hell. And our God is too good to let us easily marry our own flesh. We prostitutes must be named, we idolaters must be exposed, not for condemnation, but for humiliation and redemption. Since all things are his gifts, the Lord rules Israel's withdrawal and the collapse of Gomer's delusion. It's pretty brutal. God is a jealous God throughout the scriptures. That's a very powerful statement. He is a consuming fire. I will take back my grain and my new wine. I will uncover her lewdness. I will also put an end to all her gaiety. I will destroy her vines and fig trees. So Gomer's cast alone and hungry so she can recognize the reality of her loss and the horror of her shame. And then this is what God does, and he does it with all of us. Then I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and speak kindly to her. What lengths our God goes to to bring us to himself. And the beautiful result of that barren desert is this. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi, husband, and will no longer call me Baali, master. The promise to Gomer, Israel, you and me, is his own complete restoration of his wife by the conquering love of his unearned favor. Oh, this is so amazing, because he solves the problems of Gomer so that she is fit to be his wife. He takes over and fixes her. He takes care of all, the, all her <laughs> betrayal. This is what he says. This is the promise, and it's a promise to you and me. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and compassion. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness that you will know the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed the Shulamite podcast. For all the latest from Shulamite Ministries, please visit us at shulamite.com, where you'll find Martha's daily devotions, posts from getalongwithgod.com, and the online library of all of Martha's writings. At shulamite.com, downloading the free Shulamite app is easy, and livingchristianbooks.com is only a click away. Thank you for joining us on this journey to discover a God worth knowing.